0: Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. In a series, and it's called Learning to Love. If ever there was a lesson in life, that's, that's it. Uh, if we could condense down the purpose of life and say, what, what is life really all about? I would have to say, life is really about you learning how to love. Learning to love is the basis of life. It's the purpose, if you will. It's not all the other stuff, all the prosperity and your health and everything else that you get. It's to keep you on the planet longer to learn the lesson so you can love more people. But learning to love is the basic lesson. I was really bad in school. Uh, Not scholastically. I did well uh, considering I didn't study all that hard Uh, a lot of times. I I was able to get, you know really Good grades and above average that 's for sure, but I was a rat bag. I was a teacher 's worst nightmare i I got kicked out so many times because I just had a sharp tongue and part of my problem was me in fact, all of my problem was me i didn 't like myself. I had a really bad self image i didn 't feel anybody loved me, therefore i didn 't love anybody else, therefore I would just unleash a barrage of uh terrible things and get kicked out of class and come back in again and and then i graduated and i realized that life doesn't finish or the classroom doesn't finish with graduating from high school that all of life is a classroom now i went on and did another six years for at university and two more for theology at bible college so another six years which you know wow who, who would have believed it but god taught me some things keep my mouth shut and he he began to uh, show me who I was in him and that I'm loved unconditionally and and, and something shifted I wasn't getting kicked out of class at university certainly not a Bible college hopefully either you know so God did amazing work in me and, and but he taught me that everybody that I encounter in my life is a teacher it's not just sitting in a room with somebody called a teacher All of life is a classroom and everybody that you encounter has an opportunity if you'll let them, even the bad people, even the people that really have it out for you, they can still teach you incredible things like how to forgive, like how to get along, how God's uh, uh, peace, which surpasses understanding can flow through you into situations to diffuse situations in, in real life's classroom so that you can be uh, an overcomer, that you can be the head and not the tail, so that you can love people that aren't lovely, even those that say they're unlovable. God would have you to love these people. So I want to call this morning's message in our series uh, on love, I want to call it uh, Love Lessons. Going to give you some lessons, uh, not very many, but I believe these are profound. We're going to draw these mainly out of what's known as the parable of the Good Samaritan. Anybody heard of that before? Now it's interesting. It's in Luke chapter ten, and we're going to go there in a moment, in verse 30, uh, twenty-five. But uh, it's interesting with this parable because nowhere does it say it's a parable. If you go to most of the parables where Jesus was teaching. In parable, parable, parabole, which means uh, para, which means alongside of. It's where we get parallel. Bolé means to throw. It means that he's throwing a natural story alongside of a spiritual truth, so that you can see this thing run in parallel and get what he wants to say. It doesn't say that it's the parable of the Good Samaritan. Usually, when uh, Jesus is teaching in parabolic form, he usually says, "The kingdom of God is like unto." Or it'll say, and then he taught them a parable, and he said, the kingdom of God or whatever is like. He doesn't say that here. I looked into this particular parable, and uh, some of the early fathers, uh, Orygon and uh, uh, Augustine in particular, said that it's it's an allegory, which is a particular type of parable, which has a, a deeper meaning or a, hidden meaning that you've got to dig a little bit to get into that, to find out, well, what is the meaning of of this particular story that that Jesus is teaching? I did a lot of digging. In fact, I wrote a book, Richmond can, can what, can do a lot of things that you can't do if you don't have the wealth, the resources behind it. And I really did get into, in that book, and it's for sale out in the foyer there, uh, I did get into this parable quite in depth. Uh, Some of that we're going to talk about this morning, but I'm also going to look at the lessons that we can draw out of that, which I didn't write about in the book at the time because I didn't actually have those revelations that I want to share with you uh, right now. It's amazing. The more you dig into something, the more that you think you know about something, you'll crack open the Bible, you'll start to meditate, and God will go, okay, let me show you this. It's like, wow, I never saw that before. Why didn't you show me that? I could have put it in the book. The book would have been way better, but he didn't show me that at the time. Uh, but I believe that for this morning's sake, whether you want to argue or not about whether it's an allegory or not or a parable or not or whatever, uh, I, I really don't care. It's, a, it's an allegory for the sake of this morning. So there you go. <laughs> and uh, so we're going to look at it from, from that standpoint. But uh, we're going to read starting in verse 25. And uh, I just want you to follow along with this. It says, on one occasion, an expert or a lawyer in the law stood up to test Jesus. Now, I got a problem with that right there. Jesus doesn't sit anybody's exam. <laughs> Certainly not this guy's. A- anybody thinks so? come on in. I'm the teacher. You're going to be my student. I'm going to, you, you are going to sit. I'm going to ask you questions. And you're going to sit my exam. I'm going to, I'm going to put you uh, under the examination. Well, not going to happen because he's not just teacher. He is Lord. We just sang about that. He stood up to test Jesus. Probably a crowd there. He, he gets up. He's probably like I was in the classroom. Uh, you know, a rat bag, uh, uh, smart aleck, maybe a bit of a sharp tongue. And he says, teacher, he asked. What must I do to inherit eternal life? I've talked about this before, but you don't do anything to to, uh, inherit anything. An inheritance is bequeathed upon you because of relationship. So a parent will leave uh, an inheritance to a son or a daughter or somebody, some relative. It's not because you're going to do anything. It's because of who you are that you get an inheritance. But it's not by works, but it's by grace that we're saved and everything flows out of the kingdom of God by that. So Jesus says, uh, he says, uh, what is written in the law? Uh, how, how do you read it? Verse 27, he answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Now we, we started off this series looking at that commandment. But that is actually the first commandment is to love the Lord your God with everything you got. We looked at the fact that how could, he, how could God command somebody to love him? How does that go down, guys? I command you, wife, to love me. Well, we looked at that. You can go back and, and look at part one of this series. And, and I believe you'll get the revelation out of that as to why God would command people to love him. And then the second thing we looked at last week, I called it Jealous God that uh, God, he actually said, I'm a jealous God. In fact, my name is Jealous. Well, that causes a lot of problems with people. They think, well, how could you serve a God that commands you to love him, the arrogance of him? And how could you serve a God that says he's jealous? Because jealousy is usually associated with envy. It's not a good thing. But he says, I'm a jealous God, and my name is Jealous. Well, go back and look at and listen to that message from last week. You'll get a big revelation out of it. It is more of a teaching, but that's okay. Sometimes we we have to do a bit more teach than preach. And and he answered, love the Lord your God. He tells him, love your neighbor as yourself. In verse 28, you have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. In other words, you've got eternal life. If you can love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and, and all your strength, and, and your neighbor as yourself, you've got eternal life, you've got it made. Well, look at this, look at this response here. He says, correct in and, and, uh, verse 29, but he, the lawyer, the expert in the law, wanted to justify himself. So he's thinking about himself now. He he just got shut down really in front of everybody because he tries to get Jesus in a corner. You're never going to get Jesus in a corner. He tries to get Jesus to sit his exam. He's written the exam. He's trying to get him uh, cornered, trick him, uh, you know, uh, trip him up, and, and it doesn't work. Never could work because he's the all-knowing God, and he wrote the book. and and so it doesn't work and so he's trying to justify himself so he asks Jesus who is my neighbor? Now I think it's interesting because most of the teachings on this story parable allegory (laughs) the focus is on us being a good Samaritan to everybody around us And, and if we could love Everybody and, and, and the question that this lawyer brings up there, well, who is my neighbor? Is it the person next door? Is it my relatives? Is it my kids? Is it everybody? Like, who is the neighbor that I must love as myself? And if I could do that, well, I can, I can have eternal life. Friend, if you could do that, then Jesus wasted his time going to the cross for you. If eternal life is based upon your performance towards uh, your next-door neighbor or somebody that looks like you, somebody you work with, if, if, if that's, if that's the, the ticket for eternal life, if you will, then, then why did Jesus bother going to the cross to pay for what? And, and so that's not really the crux of this whole parable. It's not really to identify the qualification for who qualifies for your neighbor, but we're going to look at something here that I believe is profound that will change your life when it comes to love lessons. So he asked them that question. The The person that probably, the person that was asking that was a Jew. And the neighbor for the Jews, one of the neighbors that, that bordered Israel was a place called uh, Samaria. And it's interesting because we're going to see that uh, the, the hero of this story is called the Good Samaritan, which is going to get right up this guy's nose because the Jews hated Samaritans. The Samaritans went off when, when the Assyrians came in and invaded. And they, uh, when they came back, they set up their own temple. They set up their own Torah, their own teachings. They had a whole lot of stuff going on that wasn't in the original plan of God. And, and they violated grossly violent they intermarried they they were they were the scum uh, of the earth and they were the neighbor to to israel i have a look at this because this lawyer here is about to sit an exam and uh and the master teacher himself is about to uh teach him this lesson and teach us this lesson as well so he said here's my neighbor verse 30 in reply jesus said A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now that is literally going down in elevation quite a ways actually toward below sea level where Jericho is. It's a rough road. It's uh, rocky. It goes from uh, quite humid on one side of the mountain range because of the Mediterranean Sea. The wind's blowing in. On the other side, it's very arid. It's a rocky kind of a desert place. Great place for thieves and robbers to hang out. And and, and this man's going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. And they stripped him of his clothing, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now, I think this is really interesting, again, because I, I want us to look at it this morning from an allegorical standpoint, that this has a message in it. It has a meaning in it. I want us to uh, push pause in each of these and look at the meaning, but I believe in this that it'll become clear that the man that went went down that went from Jerusalem, which is uh, which literally means city of peace or place of peace to Jericho, which was the first city that they had to conquer, going into Canaan, which was their promise promised land, which meant a place of fragrance or it was a crushing place that uh, that, that man that went down from uh, Jerusalem, which is a, a type of heaven down to and fell down to earth was none other than the first man adam and the three things that happened to the first man adam are right here he was he was uh robbed he was beaten he was uh his he, he was stripped of all of his clothing which is a form of poverty which is uh part of the curse of the law when adam when, when, when adam sinned in the garden to go right back to the garden when, when, when adam fell Three things entered in that had never, ever cursed humanity. One of them was poverty. This man was stripped naked. He was then beaten. In other words, he was wounded. Sickness and disease entered in. In the garden, there was no sickness and disease. There was no poverty. Then it says here that he was, he was left half dead. Now, what does that mean? You might remember back in Genesis where uh, uh, God said to Adam, the first man, he said, You know, don't eat of that fruit over there. Don't eat uh, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because the day that thou, King James, that thou eatest thereof, (laughs) on that day you shall die, you shall surely die. Adam didn't die the day that he ate of the fruit, not physically. He died spiritually, but he remained physically alive for like 900 and something years. after that. In other words, he died spiritually but was still alive physically. In other words, he was half dead. And so this three part curse came upon humanity there, and the man, this man here represents all of us. The the sin, the curse, the three-point curse, it it, it entered into the world, and it's still there today. Like I said, half the population lives on on less than $2 a day. You don't have to turn on the news much to see the ravages of of that decision. And, And so here is this man. He goes down he gets robbed, he gets beaten. We don't know much about the man. We don't know who he is. In fact, the interesting thing is they wouldn't have known much about him either because there was nothing left on him to to really discover. I wonder if he's wealthy or not. I wonder if he's educated. I wonder if he's a, a, a father, a, a, a husband. I, I wonder… He, he is a, a bloodied pulp of a, of a beaten, probably naked man left there to die when these people come upon him. Now, here comes the revelations for us and, and, and the lesson here. He represents Adam and all of us. And listen to this. A priest, verse 31, happened to be going down the, road, the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. And so to a Levite, when he came to the place, he saw him and he passed by on the other side. Now the priest and the Levite were descendants of Levi. They were the priests that managed the temple. They were the musicians. They they put the showbread, all of that. They they cut the meat for the sacrifices. They performed priestly duties of the temple in Jerusalem. But they also had responsibilities to the outpost or the other uh, Jewish synagogues that were around the region. And so these two, the priest and the Levite, they would go down that road regular from Jerusalem to Jericho and some of the outskirts there to to minister to the Jews that had settled down there. And so they're walking down that road. They see this man, but it says they pass by on the other side. The lesson of love is this. The first lesson of love is this, that love will cause you to see what what you don't see. Love will open up your eyes. These men could see something. They could see a a figure. They could see this bloodied pulp of a human being, not knowing who it was, could have been a Samaritan for all they knew. But they looked at him, but they did not see him through the eyes of love. But what they did see was a mere looking back of what could happen. If they touched him, they would be unclean. He had blood. If they stopped, they would miss their agenda. They were on an agenda, they had a timetable, they had to be somewhere at a particular place. And so they passed, they could only look and pass by on the other side, which is really a great picture of what religion does today. I remember first church that I attended, uh, I wasn't saved in a church, I was saved in a hotel room. <laughs> uh, somebody gave me a Bible, very dangerous thing. I read that living Bible and I went, wow. Why didn't anybody tell me about this? God loves me so, so much. I remember reading this parable back then and the parable of the, of the prodigal and, 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 and all of these you know, stories and how much Jesus loves lo- loved me. And these people in the hotel, they ministered to me, 21, 22 year old, you know, party animal. And uh, here's these old women mainly. You know, really loving on me. But I went to church thinking, well, there's going to be a whole lot more like these lovely people at this church. Well, there wasn't. There was one guy who was full time ministry that would stand at the door. I brought my friend uh, Jim uh, with me to go to this particular church. And and, and this guy would stand at the door, and no matter what you said, he'd say, Well, praise the Lord. He'd shake your hand. He's looking around not looking at you. You ever meet somebody that doesn't look at you, you're trying to talk to them, but they're like, my people and your people will get together, you know, yeah, yeah, we'll have lunch and you're talking, but they're not listening to you. And so there's, that's this guy and he's like, yes, praise the Lord. It didn't matter what you said, praise the Lord, anything, just praise the Lord. Religion has its own language, but it's not the language of love. Anyway, I went to Mexico and uh, the middle of the night, I fell off a cliff. I landed about 10 feet down on my, on my butt on a ledge. The rest of the journey down was about 150 feet. I wouldn't be here right now had I not landed on that ledge. It was, you know, maybe 5 to 10 feet. Bam! Like I woke up, middle of the night, could see the ocean down there lapping the waves, lapping against the cliff. and I'm thinking, where am I? My blanket, which I took with me, had fallen all the way down. The moon was out and these uh, fishermen were out there catching langusta, which is uh, a type of lobster and uh, yelling for the people at the campsite. They can't hear me because my voice is bouncing off the cliff. And, uh, but in any effect, I couldn't go to church that Sunday because I had a broken, uh, uh, a broken tailbone. And uh, so, so my friend Jim went to church and, uh, and he met this man. We called him the mannequin because he looked like a mannequin. Well, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I said, did you tell, did did he ask how I was or where I was? Yeah, I told him. I said, he fell off a cliff. And I said, what did he say? He said, well, praise the Lord. (laughs) So we started joking. I said, you should have said, oh, he fell off a cliff and he died. Well, praise the, his response would have been the same. See, religion doesn't care. Religion just cares about one thing. It's looking at the mirror of itself, thinking, how is this decision going to affect me? How am I going to be affected if I touch this man, if I stop and I miss my my appointment? Love sees. I I think about the golden calf because uh, back in Exodus there, they took all the mirrors of the people, and they melted and they put them all together, and they made uh, a, a labor. they took all the gold all, all earrings and all everything off of everybody pitched in the, their, their, their gold, they made a, a golden calf, and then they party, they built a big fire, and, and you can just see the reflection of that fire coming off of that idol. An idol is anything that you're looking at other than God. Anything that's fixated your attention more than God is an idol. It's what it's what you are seeing. It's what you're focusing your attention on. That is your. Idol. Today we've got every kind of. Idol. We've got big idols really that fit in our pocket, and uh, you know we're constantly on there. I watch people all day, every day. Bus stops, riding, walking, doesn't matter. You know can't drive your car because it's dangerous. But you know they're they're looking at their idol. They're looking at what everybody likes and how many people like whatever they've posted. And you know the story, you know the scenario. So we've got our idols today fixated that they had their golden calf. We've got our our, our golden iPhone. Samsung's, Androids, etc., etc., I know. But it's what you're seeing. They didn't see a man. But look at this. We won't get through this uh, allegory, I can tell. <laughs> the music's already playing. But, but I asked her too, so there you go. <laughs> the, still there. the lectern is still here. Verse thirty, it is too. Oh, that's a good one. Verse thirty-three. But a Samaritan. Now, as soon as he would have said that to this Jew, this lawyer, his he he would have just just about gagged. A Samaritan, the enemy. As he traveled. He didn't come by chance like the other two guys. He traveled probably going up the hill toward Jerusalem, not the other way. He came where the man was. And when he saw him, they all saw the man, but he saw the man. How do you know? He took pity on him. This man was considered a half-breed. Again, they they hated him. The disciples wanted to call down fire on the Samaritans. Jesus, they were amazed because he sat at a well and he talked to a, a Samaritan woman, not just any woman, but a Samaritan woman. There was no such thing in the Jewish vocabulary as a good Samaritan. It is interesting because he's never referred to as the Good Samaritan, and that's kind of added. Everybody's, oh, the parable of the Good Samaritan. It's like, well, it never says he was a Good Samaritan. It just says he was a Samaritan. In any event, they had no dealings with him. But you will see when love gets a hold of your heart, the question is, will you see people through God's eyes or be limited by your own? Will you learn to see and love as God sees, and not just people to your own likeness. I see people all the time who have so much love for people that look like them. (laughs) And their love flows towards their own kind. The challenge if you're a green person is, can you love some blue people? Challenge if you're a blue person, can you love some people that are green? Can you love people for a church like ours, which I'm praying becomes more uh, multinational all the time. And for a world out there that we're trying to reach with the ability of God, the challenge is can you step outside of your kind, can you step outside uh, of just your comfort zone with people that speak, eat the same food, talk the same language, look exactly like you? Can you step outside of that because love sees beyond that? Love doesn't just see its own kind. Love, if love had a song, it wouldn't be what's a, what, you know. What about me? Shannon Knoll wrote that song. What about me? You know, I just care about me and my own. I care about me and my own too. But but love will cause you to go beyond that. And so the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts, it says. And and so we have to go beyond just the priest and and the Levite and, and the idol worship that they were involved in to see other people beyond ourselves. Eternal life is seeing God through his son and God's son will cause you to see people beyond, beyond you. I know there's a part in all of us that just really just, you know, we have a passion for our own kind. And I think part of that reason is we're just looking for somebody that understands me. And so we find somebody, and I'm from obviously from the States uh, originally. And when I meet another American, it's pretty cool because we can talk about things that, Sorry, but you Aussies just don't get it. And and it is refreshing, some of the sports things, the holidays, you know, it's part of your DNA. But when you see through the eyes of love, you discover something that there's a part of you and everybody and there's a part of everybody else in you. That it wasn't just a particular type of man that fell, it was humanity that fell. It's humanity that's out there that is walking around half dead, not knowing really, how can I, how can I become whole? How can I become alive spiritually? I'm walking physically through this life, but I want to live. What is the key to eternal life? Not a, a, a lawyer, an expert in the law, trying to trick Jesus, but a, a genuine, Question: What does it take to, to inherit eternal life? How can I love my neighbor, it says, as myself? That's a big question there. In fact, it's so big that it's impossible. Oh man, I'm going to run clean out of time on this one. I don't want to rush through it. But I'm going to go to verse 34. He went with him. This is the Samaritan. He went with them and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Now, you know, oil, if you've studied scripture, is a type of the Holy Spirit. And wine is a type of the blood. So you are redeemed. You are washed clean by the blood of the lamb. And God didn't just leave you, wash you. He filled you with his spirit. So this man gets an outpouring. But, but, but look at this. It says he bandaged up the man's wounds. Where did he get the bandages from? I, I, you know, it's not the kind of thing you're going to carry, you know, in your backpack or everywhere you go. I'm going to carry some bandages just in case, you know, I encounter somebody that's beaten up. I believe that he took his own garment, probably ripped it, and made some bandages for this man. And then look at this. He put up, put the man on his own donkey and he brought him to an inn. That inn, my friends, is a type of the church. And he took care of him in verse 35, the next day he took out two denarii. That's two days' wages. A, a denarii is a day's wages. And I like what it says in, in, in uh, 2 Peter 3.8. It says that a day with the Lord is as a thousand years. He gives the innkeeper uh, the inn of the church. He gives him two denarii, two days' wages, uh, I believe representing at least 2,000 years that to look after this man, which is almost up now. And, and look what he says to him. Look after after him he said and when i return thank god he's coming back i will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have well, what if it goes to 3000 years he's good for it he'll just put another denarii on there when he comes back he is paying the price in full my friends love knows no limits. Love is extravagant. There's no limit that God has when it comes to loving you and loving people. The question is, would you take the limits off of your love? Would you dare to love people outside of your box? Would you dare to love people that are different from you? Love is extravagant. It has no limits. So verse 36, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell in the hands of robbers." Now, here is the reason that the neighbor can't be the man that fell. Because there were three that came down the road, the priest, the Levite, and the Samaritan. The neighbor has to be one of those three. It can't be the man that fell. The neighbor that you must love as yourself is not the man that fell. The neighbor that you must love as yourself is the Samaritan, whoever you define him or see him as being. I cannot escape the fact that I believe that that good Samaritan is none other than Jesus when he came down the road, when he left heaven and he emptied himself of everything. He who is in the form of God thought of not robbery, it says in Philippians, uh, to be equal with God. Why? Because he is God. He emptied himself totally, came into our world and saved humanity. The Samaritan is the Savior. The Savior is the is the neighbor. Yes. Well, I believe so. Anyway, you can give the Lord a hand clap. The expert, expert replied to the question, which of these three was neighbor to? The man who fell amongst the robbers, he said, the one who had mercy on him. He still wouldn't mention the word Samaritan. He'd <laughs> say Samaritan is. No, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus said, go and do Likewise. Notice how the question transitions from who is my neighbor to who was a neighbor. And what does Jesus do? he wants to take you from who is your neighbor to who are you a neighbor to. The shift there is very purposeful. And it's to get us to see something here that is truly amazing because if you're like me in any way, I find that I qualify people that I'm going to love or I'm not going to love. I found myself doing this. We visit our son in, in New York City. We always go to Grand Central Terminal. There's always plenty of people, homeless people hanging out there. And I try to qualify. Okay, if I give them some money, are they gonna spend it on drugs? Are they gonna spend it for something else? Or are they gonna really buy food with it? The last time we were there, One of the best things that ever happened to me, honestly, in New York City anyway, was I saw this man sitting over there at a table. It's where they go to get out of the cold. The man's trying to sleep. He's got all of his belongings packed in there. There's a certain little area where they all kind of go and congregate underneath Grand Central there. And this man's sitting there, and it just smelled the high heaven. And and God said, go up and, and buy him lunch. And I'm like, I have to wake him up. Wake him up. Go, go and get him lunch. There's a food court down there. And I thought, okay, I'm going to do that. I'm a, but then but then I started to qualify in my mind. Who, does he really qualify? What's he going to you do? Know, you're going to buy him lunch. You're not going to give him money. You're going to buy him lunch. So I went over and I just said, Gail was with me. A, Excuse me, sir. I'm being really nice to the guy. Sorry. You know, I don't want to wreck your time here that you're having. But uh, can I buy you lunch? And He looked up at me and his eyes were like, got really big and almost teary. And he kind of looked at me like, like, wow. So I took him over and 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 the person behind the counter at the at the food court place. She's she just got so overwhelmed with it. She goes, it's just like, that's just amazing. And I'm thinking, not really. Like it's going to cost me 15 bucks or something like that. And, and I said to him, I said, get whatever you want. Get, get whatever you want. I said, whatever I want. Yeah, man, just load up. Like, this is your time, man. <laughs> I like, don't want you going back in that cold without a meal. <laughs> and so the guy, you know, was pretty good. He got what he wanted and everything. Everybody's like, I felt like a million dollars the day that I quit qualifying. Who is my neighbor? And I started to see, am I qualified to be the neighbor to somebody not asking if they're my neighbor? When I started to see that Jesus is the good Samaritan. He's always the hero of the narrative. Jesus is always the center of history. Jesus is always the center of scripture. Jesus is always, always, always. He is the savior. He is the Lord. When he wants to do something, the question is, will you act or will you hold back like the Pharisees and, 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 and the Levite rather and the priest and just look at the God and qualify things? No, 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 he doesn't qualify. If he was Jewish, if he had money, he could repay the favor. If you know, then, then, then I'm going to, I'm going to do something for him. But no, 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 no. I got to qualify. You have to quit qualifying love and let love qualify you and step out. We're out of time and I don't want to rush through this, but I just want to challenge you this, 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 this morning. Not to stay where you're at, because the lesson here is that you you will act. Love will always act. And Jesus is the only neighbor that you could ever have to inherit eternal life. He, he is the neighbor that you must love with all your heart. John 17, three. Uh, there's so many scriptures on this that I could give you to really drive this home that I'm not lacking uh, evidence but your, your neighbor if you think you get just you're gonna be the you know the good Samaritan your neighbor's the down and out person go and do likewise he said yes of course but don't ever think that you're gonna be the savior and that you can do eternal life by yourself. John 17 3 says this this is Jesus talking now this is eternal life he just nails it that they may know you the only true God and Jesus Christ who you have sent Boom. In fact, it's impossible for anybody else to love somebody as themselves. I find that interesting because if, you know, with that guy at Grand Central, if I really loved him as much as I loved me, I couldn't watch him even after a meal. It was a nice thing to do, but... I don't love him as I do me. Or I would have peeled off everything I had and I would have bought him a hotel room and I would have gone and traded places and gone out on the street. You would have to give every single thing that you have a way to truly love somebody as yourself to fulfill that command. My friend, you cannot do it. Uh, 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 another man came, the rich young ruler, I think it was, came to Jesus, says, "Good teacher, what what must I do to in- inherit eternal life?" And Jesus says, "Why do you call me good? There's only one good, and that's God. In other words, if you're going to call me good, you got to call me God, and He is. But you can't be good enough. You can't fulfill that. I I I, I googled the fact uh, uh, the other day. I googled, is there anybody? that's ever given everything away. I was just sitting there thinking about that. I thought, what would it take to fulfill that command if the neighbor's the down and out person, I'm going to be a good Samaritan like most, uh, most of it's taught and fulfill that command. How could you give every single thing away? You'd have to walk out naked and get arrested if you're going to do that. And <laughs> So I Googled it. There's a man last year. His name is Chuck Feeney. Chuck Feeney inspired Warren Buffett. He inspired Bill Gates. He started something where these philanthropists could give away up to 50% of their wealth while they're still alive. His his whole premise is why, why not get the joy of giving it all away while you're alive instead of doing it when you're dead? And so these guys got inspired, uh, uh, Warren Buffett and and Bill Gates. And and I looked at at, uh, Chuck Feeney. He started duty-free stores in all the airports back in 1960, I think it was. His wealth amassed to over $8 billion. And as of last year, I think it was September 2020, he gave it all away. And he lives in a dormitory, kind of two bedroom flat with a, a wooden table and some photocopy pictures on the wall of his friends. And his wife has a pension of some kind, I don't know what. But still didn't fulfill that command. He didn't give it all away, even, even, even though he, you know, $8 billion, hello. We get excited when somebody wins the lottery. How, how about giving it all away? while you're still alive. (laughs) I looked at him and I went, and he never said that he was trying to fulfill that command or, you know, he didn't give it to religious purposes as far as I know, but that really challenged me. Jesus gave it all the way. He said to one of the guys, go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor. That's the rich young ruler. And then take up your cross. And follow me. Naked, bankrupt, totally, totally bankrupt on the cross to take the threefold things that cursed mankind, sickness and disease. He himself bore all of our sicknesses, all of our disease. By His stripes we're healed. Naked, we receive his riches for our poverty and a reward for spiritual death he gave us everlasting life. I want to pray for you. I know I've gone a little bit over there, but uh, I still didn't get through the parable. But anyway, (laughs) the the, uh, allegory. Father, I just thank you right now for every person that's listening right now that needs a good Samaritan in their life, somebody that's truly good that gave it all. And I ask, Lord, that you would reveal yourself to people that are here and anybody that's watching online, that they may know that eternal life only comes through knowing you as their personal Lord and Savior. If you wanna give your heart to Jesus right now, or you did that, maybe you've walked away, If that's you right now, simple prayer, not a formula, but I invite all of us to pray this together that we might receive the love of God and be able then to impart the love of God to other people in our world. Not religion, but love from a Savior that loves you intensely. So I want to pray this, pray this after me. Say, dear God, I thank you for finding me on the road of life and for rescuing me Restoring me and loving me just as I am, Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord. Amen and amen, amen. Give the Lord a hand clap. I'd like you to uh, make sure that you follow us, subscribe to our YouTube channel, City Church Sunshine Coast. Uh, send an email uh, uh, to uh, City Church dot com make sure that you let us know if you gave jesus uh if you gave him your heart we'd love to know that also if you're here there's a card that you can fill out let us know that this is your home church if you made that decision how we can help you would love to be baptizing you if you made that decision to ask jesus christ into your heart biggest decision you'll ever ever make god bless you hope to see you next week amen and amen Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city church.net or email us your feedback at infocity at church.net.